0: folks welcome back to the drop zone it is sunday afternoon aka monday morning in tokyo and i have a bleary-eyed gold medal country representing journalist sean zock on the other line i don't think that made any sense but you know what i mean sean welcome how are you
1: yeah thank you i am pretty tired i did get to see a gold medal up close i did not get to touch it but uh Was just probably smiling as wide as I could uh, imagine as I've ever seen him smile. I felt oddly proud of the guy. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know if I should have that emotion, but I mean, long
0: time drop zone guest. It's understandable to uh, a a lot lot of people are saying the drop zone kind of won won the gold. I don't know if you brought up (laughs) when you saw him. Like I know that the winners do get some sort of honorary medal that you can pass on to someone else. He I don't know if you. To me. I
1: don't
0: know if you mentioned I, that to him, but uh, I'm, definitely
1: something to consider down the line. I'm curious who he'll give that to because uh, he, he's got his his caddy Kaiser and he's got his father, and both guys are sitting there looking up at Xander while he's giving his victorious press conference. You know. Kaiser was wearing the gold medal kind of throughout the night, it seemed like, but there's Dad right there who kind of made everything happen in many ways this week. I don't know who will get that secondary medal, but I know that they're all, they all had a a blast last night. At least that's what it seemed like through Kaiser's Instagram. And rightfully so, man. Sunday at the Olympics was really, really cool. Um, We'll get into it, but my biggest takeaway is like, if you somehow at this point, hate on this event, hate on golf's inclusion in the games. Uh, one, you're probably a little bit jaded, but two, you're just too far removed from it, man. It was one of the coolest places I think this job has ever taken me.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's worth something. Um, you have you know covered years' worth of big events, for Golf Magazine, Golf.com. You've been kind of all over. What is it that feels different about the Olympics? Because this is your first Olympics in person.
1: Uh the scale of it is absolutely incredible. Like I, I know I've talked about this in the last podcast, but it doesn't feel like it's possible that you can host uh, upwards of seventy five thousand people from from all around Tokyo and the world and like give all of them a duty and make sure that they're all like in sync and you've got buses for all of them and there's all these different venues and and this is during like restricted olympics there's no there's nowhere these people are allowed to go can you imagine what 100,000 people embarking on LA in in 2028 is going to look like when there is no covid-19 ravaging our population so yeah. I mean, the the thing that is so cool is that the nationalism, the pride, it's just the people that are out there. It's not fake. There's, it's all genuine. I mean, do you have all these women that were out there following the men, not just on Sunday, but on Saturday and on Friday and on Thursday, you've got these team managers that are basically doing everything they can to make sure every player feels super comfortable. Um, and that's not just like because they're maybe an agent or something. There's not that many agents out here. There's These are fathers who are also coaches. These are people that have been appointed by their uh, national golf foundations. Like Ian Baker Finch doing literally whatever he could do to make sure that Cam Smith is comfortable. Just literally running across the property to have some guy wearing green and gold that Cam could look to when he hits a good shot or when he hits a bad shot. Like That stuff is just genuine. And, Wait, uh, was he
0: the coach? Was he the, the national he team is, coach?
1: He was their national team captain, coach, or manager, manager. Whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Whatever wow. role it is. He was there in Rio, uh, and he was there this week. And he, I, I think he really enjoyed it. I was talking to him, like, and he's just like, look, I can't hit the shots. <laughs> like, These guys are professionals. They do what they do for a reason. And uh, we leave it up to them, but we just want them to feel comfortable because, you know, a Japan Olympics, you probably would have a lot of people coming up from Australia to cheer on Leishman and Camp Smith. You probably have a bunch of their mates coming up and maybe, you know, having fun with them in the evening time, or there'd be more for them to do. They'd be going to venues all over the city, but they don't have that. And so what do they do have? They do have Ian Baker Finch and those <laughs> all those Aussies wearing green and gold that they can look to uh, whenever they're playing. And that's worth something. So again, it all just kind of comes back to everyone here wanted to be here and they made it mm-hmm. something really, really great. Now, it doesn't hurt when Hideki Matsuyama is fully in contention, not just for a medal, but it was in contention for the gold for a decent amount of his weekend. And I mean, I thought that there were hundreds of volunteers, but then it became like maybe 500 <laughs> volunteers. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, maybe are there a thousand volunteers out here? There's this like just big blue mass of they're all wearing the same blue shirt all over the golf course. Um, basically following Hideki every way, everywhere he went. So that doesn't hurt when you're trying to kind of hype up, uh, this sport at, at the Olympics.
0: Yeah. I mean, watching on TV and you know, I'm giving you credit for being tired. I was the one up till, you know, 2:30 AM <laughs> over here. Um, But watching on TV, it was sort of unbelievable to see how it went from, you know, early in the week, you really believed this idea that there were no fans in attendance. And then by Sunday Mm -hmm. afternoon, that final group with, uh, you know, Xander with Hideki, there were a lot of people in the background. There were a lot of people following along, watching. The, The announcers were joking that Everyone else must have abandoned their posts and and, uh, (laughs) all the volunteers had just kind of congregated around that final group. But, yeah, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to Xander Shoffley because I know you spent a bunch of time around him this week. Um, You wrote a a, a really excellent game story for golf.com that people can find up there featuring um, a bunch of stuff with his father, Ogre, a.k.a. The
1: Ogre, yeah.
0: Stefan um, who made a rare Golf Channel appearance, actually, after the, the win, but uh, your stuff with him was clearly more comfortable and, and insightful. All right, but first, Xander, because let's just talk about this win really quickly. This is a career-changing victory for Xander Shoffley, and not just because, you know, obviously it's the Olympic gold. It would change anybody's career to some extent. But this is a guy without a career-defining victory. This is a guy who has not quite won major championships. He's become famous for getting close and not quite performing, but his game also rises to the occasion in big events, so he keeps putting himself there. The fact that he got up and down for par on 18 from 100 yards is the difference between us having this conversation we're having and us having a very different conversation Less pleasant uh-huh. conversation, and you know, having to say uncomfortable things about <laughs> a, a guy that I know we like watching play golf. So, I mean, w- what was it like watching Xander Shoffley?
1: He was in such supreme control for the first thirteen holes. Uh, I I was like, "There's no way he loses." The when he birdied one and two, obviously dropped a bomb on two. You could just tell, like, "Holy cow, this guy." Is locked in. He's gonna do it today. He, you know, he had he had never actually closed out a fifty-four hole lead in a in any PGA Tour event, and I know that that, wow. that bothered that bothered him, and I know he mentioned how much it bothered him. Like, look, I gotta I gotta close the door here. He just looked so locked in and uh, kind of locked into the, like the, I don't have a care in the world. It doesn't matter who's playing in this final group with me. It doesn't matter who's out in front of me playing well. Like, I'm gonna win it, and so. I figured he'd win, uh, frankly, and I was kind of hovering around his father for most of the, the the front nine, and then I was like, okay, well Xander's gonna win. I need to go and check out who's gonna finish in second, um, basically. But then that all changed on the fourteenth uh, hole when he he made a good bogey, but he'll even admit he got extremely lucky. Like he tried punching out after taking a drop, and his punch out actually did not it missed his line. It missed his target. Um, and still got through the trees. So that was
0: the most relatable, uh, stretch (laughs) of golf. I think I watched because it's like, you know, you're in trouble. Your, your mind is racing. You're trying to do anything to get out. You get a little bit desperate. There's trees everywhere. You make a plan and then the ball finds a completely different window than whatever you had planned on hitting. And then you kind (laughs) of, to his credit, he didn't try to play it off. He fully admitted that. I think he said like, like that was just a sign. This was my day because he yeah. kind of thinned one out the side, and uh, luckily back into play for
1: bogey. But I, I was I was a little worried when that happened. I was actually right next to Stefan, and he was trying to figure out what kind of drop uh, Xander was making because Stefan basically watches from at least a hundred yards away almost at all times. He mm-hmm. um, the story that a lot of people might know is that you know he lost. Uh, the ability to see in his left eye in a car accident decades ago and so now he has this little monocle that he he watches basically all the golf in checks the leaderboards with um and so i was behind him and he was just like okay be smart xander <laughs> be smart boy <laughs> um and uh he made a good bogey but xander on those last like five or six holes had kind of been leaking throughout the weekend like he's dealing with some neck tightness that he wasn't really telling anybody about and uh at least according to Stefan that was kind of creating this left miss and so he overcracks mm-hmm. and then he has the right miss um and so you'll see it when you're he's on that 14th tee box I don't know if anyone saw that shot he's on the far left side of that tee box and was just kind of playing out way out to the right to make sure okay I've kind of got this little left miss going I won't miss left if I just play it way out to the right. Of course, ball goes extremely straight. He even goes to the right, ends up in the trees. Um, so he he looked a little less in control. Um, he missed the fairway on 15. He missed, I think he missed the green, or he barely got on the green on 16. Mm-hmm. 17. Yeah, in that left se- fringe. 17, he hits a, a pretty good straight drive, but right into a bunker. And it's just yep. not an easy up and down from there. And so at this point again, Stefan hundreds of yards away, not, not actually watching his son physically, um, Mm. around the green, but Xander, uh, I was, I was thinking, Holy cow, this guy's been so locked in, but freaking Rory Sabatini posted 17 under, and that might just be too much for Xander. We might talk about a playoff and who knows what happens in a playoff. Um, but he, then he blows his right, his drive right on 18. It hits yeah. a volunteer in the back. I, I likened him to uh, Chris Middleton. Now, that's the Bucks fan in me speaking. But Chris Middleton hits threes. Yeah,
0: you might have to translate that one.
1: He hits a lot of threes. He plays defense. He, he played some incredibly clutch basketball. He does not react. He never reacts. Big shot goes in, doesn't react. Bad foul call, never reacts. Xander's kind of like that. You know, he he even said he was like that. He said, "There's a lot going on inside, but I don't react." You, you, you saw him barely react when he when he got up and down uh, for for par in the gold. But this whole preamble uh, and explanation is to say that that up and down, the smoothness of it, he looked confident again, standing over that shot. And I don't know why, because he is on the verge of blowing this gold medal lead that he's had all day long, basically all weekend long. And he, he just like the smoothest wedge, 20 feet past the hole, zipped it back the best shot of his life, the biggest shot of his life. Um, and in the, fr- in in front of the biggest crowd of the week, everyone was there on 18. You had the Cordis sisters leaning up against the grandstand. Um, you had a number of other female golfers. You had the German, uh, the two German golfers. One of them, Hurley Long, he had rolled up his sleeves uh, so that he could even out the farmer's tan <laughs> while he was standing there watching the golf. Um, you had everybody there, and I don't know if that like calmed him, or I, you know, he might not even be able to explain it, but that shot was uh, it gave me chills I think I think uh, there's no other explanation
0: it's funny in some ways that sounds more intimidating to me that sort of audience rather than just a bunch of you know tense excited fans the idea of like this players only club where Rory has just finished his round and he's kind of checking out the action um, and the Corda sisters and the best LPGA players are are all watching? That sounds like that would ramp up any nerves that I would feel. Knowing, you know, it's almost like it's a like it's a top junior tournament or something that, <laughs> where there there aren't really fans, but you know, everyone's a stud there. Yeah. Um, so for
1: him, uh, myself for him included, to
0: get up and down on. I mean, seventeen, the up and down was underrated. I think we started to take for granted the fact that the contenders were just going to make birdie on seventeen, which was mm. a you know, it, it's it's like one of those par fours that they call reachable, but it's barely reachable. Barely. It's like even, you know, Rory hit this high cut that finished way short. A bunch of guys hit it in that front bunker, but couldn't quite carry the front bunker. Um, so he made it a really nifty uh, sand save there. And guys just putted lights out all week. The greens looked really pure. They finally got a little bit chewed up by the end of the week. It looked like on TV. Um, but Xander in particular made a whole bunch of four to eight foot putts, um, yeah. on Sunday. And that's what you need to do. If you're going to win a gold medal, especially when everyone's shooting 15 under par or better.
1: Yeah. And so that just kind of brings me back to the idea that he looked comfortable again on 18. And I, I, I don't, again, maybe it was because from a hundred yards truly to get into a playoff, he just needs to make uh, a three from there. He just needs to get up and around and in, um, but he looked comfortable standing over. It was a four and a half footer. He called it a four footer. I think in my story right away, I call it a five footer, but it's full four and a half feet. Um, and it, it you know, I don't think it looked any differently than the four and a half footer. He's going to hit it Memphis next week. Um, he, he looked so comfortable. And I think that to me, um, is often the sign of like, A full like a big like a big time pga tour champion is like when they when they do what he did get up and down from 100 yards when they almost don't react when like you when you see jordan spieth play confident golf anything is possible any putt can go in um and especially the short ones are definitely going in um that's what xander looks like and i don't know if i've ever seen him look like that up close um I really the the closest time that I've been to Xander when he was playing uh, a big time tournament was at Carnoustie and he played in the final group with with Spieth, um, there and he was just a little bit loose and he didn't look as confident. This dude looked like extremely confident yesterday. And so when everyone's going to react now and be like this could send him on a a better trajectory. This could really get him going. I actually believe it. You know, I often don't believe those things. I often try to keep us from freaking out and overreacting, but I really do believe it. And now we've got a a bunch of FedEx cup events coming up. We've got the Ryder cup in less than two months. It could be a really good fall for Xander.
0: It really could be. Um, I was texting a little bit with a, a mutual acquaintance of ours, who we met in San Diego, who plays a, a fair amount with Xander at uh, at the farms, and one thing that he was saying is just that stuck with me. He was just like Xander's a killer. He's a goddamn killer, and like <laughs> basically that if he starts getting as comfortable out on tour as you know as he is in regular day to day Xander play, which you know obviously that's a, a big if. Then he could just reel these things off. I mean, you talk about the FedEx Cup playoffs. If there is a golf course that could be custom made for Xander Shoffley, it might be East Lake. Um, yeah. and there's a certain playing similarity that maybe Eastlake also had to this week's course. I know we were looking for yeah. similarities all week and it was a little bit tricky to figure out, but uh, but you know, a a challenging golf course that is still Playable and not penal with, you know, a ton of water hazards or something like TPC Sawgrass. But instead, has targets that you have to hit and challenging recovery shots if you miss. But but the ball is still going to be in play. That seems to be like the sort of style of golf that Xander dominates.
1: Yeah, and we've uh, we've broken down his game until he was fooling around with the arm lock putting. The guy's just good at everything. Yeah, really is really good, really good at every single thing. He putted so
0: well. I don't. I don't. Is there a st- statistical breakdown this week of just how well he putted? Because yeah, I'll get to in that. In the eye test, it looked to the eye test. It looked awfully impressive with the putter. It, I mean, he just looked really steady. He was taking a long time over the ball, um, both over his, you know, full swings and also over his putts. It seemed like he was consciously settling himself. Um, and maybe calming whatever nerves were happening but yeah so all right so what's it like I mean you already explained this a little bit but watching with his dad what's what's that experience like is he chatty like some people are happy to chat with you know a reporter obviously he's he's comfortable with you we've spent a little bit of time with him but did he want you there to have someone to chat with did he not want you there and you were just you know in for as long as you needed to be for your story <sighs> What was the vibe
1: yeah. there? Yeah. Well, Xander's dad is, <clears throat> he's a big character and I've spent some time writing about that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you have. Uh, everyone kind of is, it's now getting exposed to who Stefan Shoffley is the only swing coach he's ever had. Um, and I think he's and Xander said it. He, he basically has thrown all of his eggs in Xander's basket. And so they travel across the world together. Um, they have gone at it in the past you know Stefan being uh an Olympic hopeful decathlete I think he takes very seriously the things you have to do to be an elite athlete and he tries to impart all of that knowledge onto Xander and so like I think growing up their relationship was a little bit love hate you know Xander still being young and a teenager and his dad wanting him to become better and better and better. Um, and now they have an incredible like mutual respect for each other and mm-hmm. for each role yeah. that they play. Walking with Stefan is fun or Stefan. Um, he said, you know, Stefan, Stefan, Stephen, whatever you want to call me, but <laughs> he...
0: Ogre is literally what yeah. he goes by. I think that yeah. sometimes people still miss that. People call him I, Ogre.
1: Yeah. Mr. Ogre, uh, as I've been trying to call him this week, but he... Yeah. Uh, he will, he will walk way ahead, like a hole and a half ahead, or at least half a hole ahead wow. of Xander. Because at this point, uh, I asked him about that. He's like, Xander's so good now that Stefan doesn't need to see every single thing. He doesn't need to see how he lined up a putt or all these things. As the coach, he wants to be able to see, are these little decisions being made correctly? Are the... Um, you know, is there a weird kind of hitch in his swing because of the neck tightness? How's his shaft lean look from, uh, you know, 200 yards away, whatever. Um, and so he's the coach who's kind of trying to nitpick here and there now. Um, but I'll say this, he, he ha- he's happy to talk to people maybe a little bit happier on Saturday than on Sunday afternoon. Like mm. he started to get, he started to get swarmed a little bit. You had the guy uh, from the San, San Diego newspaper who was basically tracking his every move. And uh, you had a couple other people, golf writers out here who were trying to get in there and be like, Hey, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, well, yeah,
0: yeah
1: th- it's a lot of You're people like, were this doing is my
0: turf. R- I've been here. Did well, you tell them that you'd been kind of putting in the work?
1: This wasn't my turf. It was just, what I was worried about is the guy overreacting, and being like, hey, leave me alone. My yeah. son's trying to win a gold medal. Um, he spent. I talked to him about like 20, 25 minutes on Sunday morning, um, and if you get the guy going in a comfortable setting, it's hard to make him stop. Yes. And it was unsurprising where uh, after Xander made the final putt and won gold, Stefan talked to reporters for like – 20 to 25 minutes, um, and couldn't stop and was like curious to, if anyone could challenge his Japanese, like he, he's mm. a bit boastful. Um, he, he, he's a good person to have a debate with because he's smart. He's, he, he's kind of, well, he's got a, a French German background, but he married, um, uh, someone who was from China, Chinese Taipei, <laughs> uh, and who's lived in Japan. He's had business partners all over the world. He's, he like really understands local culture here, but also in all other countries, like kind of across the world and all of his travels. So like talking to him about the world is a lot of fun. Um, and he'll tell you things and he'll ask you things like, it's not a one way street when you're conversing with Stefan Shoffley. Um, and so we talked about how he kind of been unsure about going to the Olympics. I mean, Xander was very unsure about competing at all because, like Louis Oosthene famously said, like they did not make it easy on us. Um, they were trying to set players up, firstly at the Olympic Village, but secondly, like at kind of all these Olympic-approved hotels. And Stefan said, "No way. I need to have a good hotel. We need to have a good hotel for our son and our team that week. We need to be comfortable." Stefan basically had a one of his old business partners stay with them. Now you're only supposed to bring two visitors in addition to the player from other countries. So S- Xander brought his caddy Kaiser, he brought his dad, uh, Stefan, and that's it. That's all Xander could bring. He could not he, he could not bring his wife, he could not bring his mom. That's it. And unfortunately, for the rest of the field, Stefan Shoffley had this kind of wild card, ace in the hole. His, his old business partner was setting up all their meals. Um, he had a spread at the hotel every night when they came home. All these little like rules that Stefan pushed, basically, I think, were rooted in the fact that he knows Japan. He knows people here. He knew like where he could push the boundaries. He knew how to sneak beers into the golf course all these kind of things were done to make sure Xander felt super comfortable to make sure they had their best approach for the week and to make sure that, that, uh, I don't know that they had a leg up on the field. That's kind of what he called it. And that's what, that's what he called just the hotel room, a big hotel room. He thought it was a leg up on the competition. And I think I asked him like all those little things add up. And he said, totally, you know, That's what you have to do if you're the coach, especially in this scenario when there's not an agent around, there's not a manager around. He kind of took care of everything off the course, and Xander took care of everything on the course.
0: Does this make it easier for Xander Shoffley to win future golf tournaments?
1: Yeah, he, like I said earlier, he had not closed out a 54-hole lead, and that was bothering him. And he said he he's been kind of pressing in contention lately and he's been in contention freaking everywhere he's been in contention so much but he had pressed in those moments he was really working on keeping patient keeping his emotions in check um he had not won in two and a half years which is wild but 2021 is kind of the year of ending droughts right mm-hmm. Roy McElroy, yep. Jordan Spieth all these people ended droughts this year we kind of were sleeping on the fact that Xander's drought had grown to two and a half years um this was after you and I talked to him in October last year. And I think I I wrote the story following our conversation saying, look guys, Xander, the Xander storm is coming. Like he's going to do something soon. And he didn't, he didn't win for another nine to 10 months after that. He came Uh, close. Yeah, he came close If you everywhere. look at his
0: world ranking page, you'll see that he won the Tour Championship last year. It just doesn't quite work that way anymore with the uh, the aggregate scoring. Uh, last thing on Xander, what's he like to be around? Because it's funny, with uh, with Stefan Shoffley, or Stefan Shoffley, it's also tough. I mean, his Golf Channel interview was really nothing like talking to him in person. You know, he definitely had his, his media on-camera channel on a little bit more. Yeah. And Xander both is and is not that way. I mean, you can still get like the wry sense of humor a little bit um, through TV. But he also, uh, he doesn't like to open up. He doesn't like to show his private side when he knows he's being observed, when he knows he's on TV. So uh, how is that different being in his presence in person, especially once he won?
1: Yeah, he was was pretty darn happy. Um, You could tell... He's just—he's a reserved dude, and I don't think that matches up with one him being an American. Like oftentimes we make these American champions and we blow them out of the water, and they become corporate stars, uh, celebrities. And Xander doesn't—I don't think he wants that. He does not yeah. want to be as known as Bryson DeChambeau is known. Um, he wants his game to do everything for him. He said he doesn't play for gold medals. Or for money, he plays just to be competitive, which is mm-hmm. such a luxury that I wish yeah, he plays to uh, beat your ass.
0: Is basically yeah. what you're saying. I mean, yeah, that is an easier thing to say once you have a money and B now a gold medal. It's a little bit easier to, <laughs> sure. to take that. I play, I just play but, to win.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean Xander, we we've hung out with him a couple different times. He's a smart dude. I was talking to Sean Martin on the PGA tour after, after his press conference. I was like, that's two, three, four, five great pressers in a row from Xander. That dude's flying up the press conference Mm. rankings. Yeah, he takes your question seriously. Um, he was, he was basically saying how, how much he enjoys the Tokyo society, um, uh, Japanese society, how much he enjoys, there's the food here, but the respect level here and the efficiency Mm -hmm. here and how everybody follows the rules that just kind of speaks to who Xander really is. He'll kind of fly under the radar at times, um, and just live his life without being a super flashy guy. Um, I don't know. The first thing he did when he got his gold medal was take it off his head and put it on his caddy's head. Uh, and I thought that that was kind of a cool little scene. You know, he was thrilled to see that his dad was doing interviews the biggest smile on Xander's face, potentially all day, was when he walked out of scoring and Stefan was there talking to the press. <laughs> and uh, I think that I think that's a little bit of a, a tell on, like, Xander likes to – he doesn't necessarily like to be in the limelight, but, he, but his golf is going to constantly push him there. And so uh, he's definitely come to grips with it, but he's not going to give us everything. And you know what? That's just fine.
0: I think he likes being a dude he likes he likes he likes people treating him normally, and I think he made it clear in that opening press conference just how much uh it meant to him to have his dad here I mean sometimes we we dredge up these stories, we being the media, hopefully not literally me and you um sometimes these stories happen, and you're like, Oh my God, we get it. you know, stop beating us over the head with this same storyline. This one's very real. Xander wanted to win this. With his dad in mind, it meant a lot to him to have kind of carried on his dad's dream of becoming an Olympic decathlete. And now for Xander to win gold, I, it was just clearly really important to him. So it was it was such a cool moment. I love the Olympics. I'm I'm not someone that was trying to force the Olympics on on people that are not into golf in the Olympics, but I really do feel like because of how this one went the status of this games is going to just keep going up. I mean,
1: Oh, it really is. And I think that that's where
0: Xander's like got in on the ground floor because when you're talking about, you know, legacies yeah, you can say, yeah, sure. This was the same strength of field as the John Deere classic or whatever, whatever it came out to be. But in four years and in eight years, when we're talking about the Olympics and looking back at gold medalists, we're going to say, Oh yeah, well, Justin Rose has one. Xander Shoffley has one. It's it's like we don't talk about the strength of field when, you know, Mark O'Mara won a, a major championship. We don't really we don't really legislate Jack Nicklaus's major wins that way. Um, we just count them, and that's yep. the good thing about everyone. All the good players should have come and played in this, just because this was a good chance to win a medal, to win a gold medal. It's only going to get more difficult from here. So. Good on Xander yep. Schauffele and his savvy move to win this one because it's going to be tricky to keep winning him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's only going to get tougher. I think you're right about that. And I think part of the truth is that Rory had a hell of a time this week. Mm. Uh, Justin Thomas was really looking forward to this week. And I think he probably had a worse week than he wanted to, but he still loved the Olympic f- uh, flavor of everything. And, and the women are coming here now. Uh they're gonna I'm gonna be out there this week with them for a little bit and they're more excited than than anything, really. They're chomping at the bit because they had to watch the men tear up this golf course before they got to even compete. Um, Louis Oosthazen famously did not come here, but Louis regretted that. According to Stefan Shoffley, Louis told him in at Tory Pines. I don't think I'm going to the Olympics because they haven't made it easy on us. There's no mm-hmm. charter plane back to Memphis. Yeah, month a month later, Louis was talking to Stefan at Royal Saint George's, and he said, "I already regret it because uh, there's a charter now to Memphis. No. I wish I was playing." So Stefan's like, "That's incredibly sad, right?" <laughs> like South Africa had Garrick Higo. I don't even. Oh, and Christian, Christian Bazeley. Who? Well, yeah. Louie, Louis would have been. We would have knocked Garrick Higo right out of the the field and gosh can you imagine what he would have done at this pretty smooth easy pga tour golf course like he probably would have finished second right (laughs) he probably would have he would have been right in there i
0: mean he would have definitely been a good fit in a as an eighth member of the the seven-way bronze playoff
1: but if you if you think about where where golf was 12 years ago when in 2009 the IOC said we approve this game to be an Olympics game in Rio and in 2020. Um, nothing was guaranteed beyond that, but we've gone to Brazil, a, a definitively not golf mad country, um, and we 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 had Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson and Matt Kucher compete and and finish as medalists, and now we went to Japan definitively a golf mad country mm-hmm. and we had a seven way tie for the bronze medal. Yes. We had Xander Schauffele win the biggest event to this point in his career. We had <laughs> the Slovakia Sevitini story which we haven't even dived into. Yeah. We have that and now we're moving to look forward to Paris, which has hosted a Ryder Cup. There's going to be so much European flavor at that Olympics. People will go to there. They will go from wherever the twenty twenty four open championship is and they're gonna spend a week in, in France before mm-hmm. they go to the Paris Olympics. Yeah. It's all lining up to keep golf in the games a little bit better than it started. And look, after that, we go to Riviera Country Club. You can believe that the field and the 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 fervor, I guess, at, at the American Olympics for golf. Everyone's will gonna be wanna play incredible. that one. Incredible everyone will want to play yeah. that one. So golf feels like it's in much better hands with the Olympics than maybe it did two months ago. Well, I
0: think here's the biggest sign for me is that a week ago, everyone was just talking about what the golf Olympics was lacking. Bryson DeChambeau tested mm-hmm. positive. John Rahm, unfortunately tested positive again. Uh, guys were staying home. Dustin Johnson was skipping Brooks Kepka Didn't want the alternate spot and so on <laughs> and so forth. I mean, Look, and I still think it can be improved. I think there should be a team element. I wrote a, a column for golf.com outlining how I think you could combine the men's and women's events, ramp up the energy, make so that there's less meaningless third and fourth round golf, um, because there is still a fair amount of that. But if you, if your point is that golf in the Olympics should be just a stroke play tournament, and that great golf will just take care of itself. Yesterday was a damn good argument on your side. I mean, I, w- I would still love for there to be a team component. And uh, and the people that that said I should quit my job on Twitter, I hear you.
1: Ooh, wh- were there some of those?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like you say, oh, here's how I think they should, they should tweak golf in the Olympics. And people didn't take kindly to this suggestion that it should be tweaked. I hear you. I think it could still be improved upon, but I also think, hey, look, this was great. Oh, and I would like to say one thing where I was wrong. At the start of the week, I thought it was silly that they would have to play off for a medal spot. And then there I was last night eating my words. I feel better already getting this out there. Eating my words as I was taking in a seven for one playoff on my couch Actually, to be completely honest, it swung back the other direction at about the fourth playoff hole. I was like, all right, I'm ready. (laughs) Maybe they should have just given out seven bronzes. Um, But no, that was a really fun wrinkle. You know, Rory talked about how he's never competed so hard for a, a third place finish in his life. My man was so close to the bronze. Couldn't get it done.
1: Oh, um, I feel bad for Rory. I was, I was, there was nothing I was looking forward to more than a playoff, any playoff. I tweeted about it yesterday morning, and I said, look, there are 27, 28 players within five mm-hmm. shots of the podium. If we don't get a playoff, I will eat my shoe. And if Hideki made his birdie putt on 18, eat I would have had a shoe to eat. Um, so – yeah, the playoff was. I wasn't even really able to focus on it because I was trying to focus on Stefan Shoffley and Xander. But CT Pan, man, mm-hmm. this dude, this dude shot four over on day one. Like he was nowhere near the lead. I didn't realize he was even. I didn't realize what he did Saturday because he was playing seven seven groups back yeah. in the same group, mind you, as Rory Sabatini. Um, He was kind of on cruise control. He was enjoying the Olympic village. Uh, He was enjoying having his wife caddy for him. All these things were like, wait, CT Pan's in the running here? And I was like, wait, also, Colin Morikawa's in the running here. You forget, at every Olympics, there are more than one competition happening. There might be one final uh, men's race in the 100-meter freestyle, but there are multiple competitions. There's the competition for gold, and there's also the competition for silver and bronze. And, like... That might seem like the most obvious statement I could have said on this podcast, but it's so true. And it's especially true at a golf course. Like That's what I felt when I was out there with Rory Sabatini. Um, And I think I really saw something that not a lot of people saw, where that guy was, I believe at the time, nine under for the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nine under for the day. He's on the 16th tee. And Xander at that point was on, I think the 10th hole. Which isn't that far in distance, but when, when you have all the volunteers following the final group, like there was nobody on, on Rory Sabatini's group. There's nobody with CT Pan. The only person with them was Mackenzie Hughes, who's playing in the same group. <laughs> and uh, KJ Choi was out there kind of tracking the Korean players. And Sabatini gets the 16th tee. He's nine under. He's squarely in position for a medal. And he is like feeling as loose as ever he looks loose he's like talk he's like chiding uh kj choi in spanish and they're having a little bit of a laugh and then he makes the worst swing of the day for him had to be the worst swing of the day yeah. short sides himself on 16 and is cussing at himself misses uh he misses the par putt and he just stares into the sky and you know, like when your buddy is playing golf and he's really struggling and he just doesn't want to talk, doesn't want to speak. And so you kind of feel weird around him because you don't want to say, hey, yeah. hey, good bogey there. You know, he can't get anything going. Uh, that's what Mackenzie Hughes looked like because mm. Sab- Sabatini just stared into the sky for like a very uncomfortable, probably five or six seconds. And McKenzie was like, wait, do I continue? Do I kind of let him get this out? What What do we do here? So he, th- he thought he had lost a medal, man. Like, he was not worried about gold he at all. He might have lost the he gold medal. Think... He might have lost the gold medal. But, like, he had no yeah. clue, truly, what Xander was going to finish at. And you could tell he was upset. He was cussing at himself. And then he gets to the 17th tee. And he's still, still, still upset. He He, like he's talking to his wife but then he turns away and he goes and stands on the edge of the property staring off into the distance now again for like an uncomfortable amount of time and you could just tell he's like i've lost my medal i've done it i've lost my medal you know i got dual citizenship and i've I answered all the questions about <laughs> slovakia and i got to this point and i'm a freaking buzzsaw today and i'm I'm throwing everything inside of 15 feet, and I'm hooping everything. And I'm—he stared off into the distance for like 20 seconds. And I, I was I was out there basically is me, the scorers, the players, and the caddies. And it was uncomfortable for me just watching him. Yeah. And I like got, got very close to taking a photo of him, but I was like, "Holy cow! If he turns around mid photo, he might break my neck." But <laughs> it was like you could tell this guy. He's like, he's letting him, he's exhaling, but also like just so upset with himself. Um, He said he mishit, completely mishit the next drive, gets up and down for birdie, smacks drive into the fairway on 18 from 200 yards, Mm -hmm. hits it to 12 feet. And that iron shot, I don't know what he hit, uh, had to be a pretty long iron, Uh, was only followed by one of the best fist pumps <laughs> that I've seen all week.
0: unbelievable the timing of it I it might be the earliest fist pump I've ever seen I mean you see guys walk in putts I don't know if I've yeah, ever yeah. seen someone fist pump a putt when it's <laughs> I what was it three feet outside the hole still that was he started incredible his
1: fist pump at for sure three feet away that's from the, the
0: sort of mojo you have when you make what 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 did he make nine birdies and an eagle ten birdies and an eagle
1: ten birdies and eagle and two Sunday. bogeys
0: two bogeys ten birdies one eagle that comes out to five measly pars
1: um i mean golfer golfers do this all the time right where you you shoot a su- stupid low score and you couch it with Oh, you know, I shot seventy nine with two doubles. Yeah, yeah. So he shot six. He shot sixty one with two bogeys. With two bogeys. In the so final round in this of alternate the universe, in this alternate universe, you totally could have had a solo first place finish, gold medal after a fifty nine mm. <laughs> from Rory from Slovakia and Rory Sabatini.
0: All right, Sean. Should the Olympic golf format be changed, or is this evidence that? Things are good as they are.
1: Uh, I don't need match play. I'm happy mm-hmm. with metal play, right? Metal play. We're playing for medals. Uh yes. stroke, stroke play. Um, but I, I do like something like what you laid out. Some kind of team-oriented yeah. thing. I mean, at this point in the Olympics, we're seeing a lot of mixed mixed doubles uh, team events. Mm-hmm. Table tennis, swimming relays all this stuff yep why why not golf i think it'll happen i mean again we needed to get golf back into the games but we had Mm -hmm. uh we had the ioc president thomas bach was out at the course on saturday he was hanging out with jay monahan i don't know if jay's doing any campaigning or anything but those are some heavy hitters and they're hanging out together i think i think we'll see a team format down the road and holy cow it could be really cool Anyone
0: who impressed you that did not end up on the metal stand?
1: Ooh, great question. Um, well, this might seem like a cop-out, but Patrick Reed, I mean, the guy still came here. Uh, didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I think for those who don't like Patrick Reed, um, you don't—you didn't have your own commute to Japan this week. I had a hellish commute. Doug Ferguson had an <laughs> absurd commute. Sean Martin had an absurd commute. These are golf riders. Patrick Reed had to fly commercial over here too. Like there was nothing easy about getting to this Olympics for everyone involved. And Patrick Reed did it. Um, He impressed me. Who else impressed me? Let's see. I think CT Pan. No, you know what? I'll say that CT Pan's wife. Oh, she, she caddied for him. She got to the 16th tee. Now, mind you 104 degree heat index yesterday. This after caddying for C- for CT throughout the full extent of the week, he got in here before, like before the weekend, uh, the prior weekend. So she's been out here with him in the heat. It's it's really really hot. She gets to the sixteenth tee and probably isn't totally thinking about medals. She's just thinking about finishing <laughs> this caddy job. She she said yeah. she like exhales putting the bag down, and this was a carry bag, mind you. This wasn't even like a full tour bag that that uh sabo's wife was carrying but she's like okay three more the (laughs) sun is sun's beating down and you know their husbands are both grinding like truly grinding um but both husbands are like pulling three and four clubs out of the bag as they walk from the tee box to their approach shots just to make it a little bit lighter on them and uh she was she was just like interesting to watch because she's grinding, but also just trying to finish. And the sun's beating her down. She impressed me, and she was really great and gracious all all through the night. Um, obviously, as her husband wins a bronze medal, so yeah, she, she didn't have she didn't have just three more. She had like seven more. She didn't know
0: neither much. she nor CT is uh particularly large in stature. I would say they are not <laughs> tiny people. They're not tremendous people in size, but. People seem to really sing their praises, like almost universally. Um, and then who disappointed you this week?
1: Uh, this feels unfair because I think he had, he showed such excitement to be here. And uh, a lot of just... He's, he's kind of showed excitement about the Olympics this entire time. But Justin Thomas, I was really... Mm-hmm. Excited for him to turn that excitement into really good golf. And he started yeah. 71-70. I
0: think he disappointed himself. Oh my gosh, he's yeah. so
1: bummed. Um he never got it going. He got it going on Sunday, of course, when it didn't matter, shot 65, um, finishes T22. This is like this was kind of like at the Masters. Uh, if you miss the cut. Because you shouldn't miss the cut if you're a good player at the Masters. There's really only 60 players Uh, in that field that are really good and I think it's top 50 in ties move on to the weekend at Augusta Uh, there's so many old dudes in the field this field you can look at it in a somewhat similar way like Jorge Campillo flew over here super late if you don't beat him that's on you Rafael Campos flew over here super late if you don't beat him he's a lesser player than you and JT beat those dudes but that's kind of an idea of the bottom half of this leaderboard and JT wasn't beating a lot of dudes through round, one round. Uh, he wasn't beating a lot of people through two rounds. He kind of got it going on the weekend just because he's that good. But he didn't finish in the top 20, and that's uh, a pretty huge disappointment. Yeah,
0: that's disappointing. I, my my biggest, the guy I was impressed with is Mito Pereira, who was just playing on the Corn Ferry Tour a few weeks ago. And if it wasn't for a brutal horseshoe lip out, may have ended up with the bronze medal. So I was impressed with him. Uh, I was disappointed for the South Koreans, Sung Jae Im and Siwoo Kim, who obviously had, had really prioritized this event. You never know if someone's over prepping for something, it's, it's impossible to figure out, but um, neither of them really ever threatened for a medal, which we know would have been uh, a huge, huge storyline for them personally, being able to avoid um, military service. And then Carlos Ortiz, you remember he was on the leaderboard?
1: Yeah. Oh, God. You might not know what happened to him. Oh, no.
0: But Carlos was even par for his final round with six holes to play. He finished bogey, then he parred the par 5 14th, which is disappointing. Doubled 15, bogeyed 16, bogeyed 17, doubled 18. So he shot 42 coming home. Holy cow. To shoot 78. He fell from third entering the final round to 42nd. (laughs) So, I mean, look, when guys talk about it's 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 a medal or bust, I guess Carlos really took that to the uh extreme, but I mean, he he shot the highest round of the day and it was really just his last four uh-huh. holes that or the highest round of the week. Yeah. And it was really all just his last four holes that put him there. You
1: really got to go down that leaderboard to see where he ended up. Uh I thought I had missed him when I was scrolling as you're talking. Holy <laughs> cow. Yeah. That's brutal. Uh and you know what? That's someone I've been impressed with this week, and I hope to be more impressed with is Gabby Lopez. Gabby, Mm. uh, she has been here this entire time. By the time she is done competing, I think she'll be ready to go home, and I think she'll have no choice but to go to Scotland for the Women's Scottish and the Open Championship, uh, the Women's Open. She flew the flag. She was the flag bearer for the Mexican national team during the opening ceremony She flew in obviously a day before that, um, and has been going to the golf course every single day. She's staying in the Olympic village. So that's about a 90 minute, one way commute and goes to the golf course every single day has kind of been grinding on the range by herself. I don't think her caddy was here until, um, the middle of last week. And so she, uh, she's kind of been by herself, but loving life, loving the village, um, and I talked to her a little bit on uh, yesterday, I guess. And yeah, she's just like, she's kind of the the mascot for this Olympic golf competition. And I just hope that all that energy of her being here ends up like paying off for her. I hope that the the, the competition is really good for her too, because I could see her energy being I could see her energy waning because she's just been out and about and doing a bunch of golf stuff and not really getting hit to hit competitive golf shots. And so I'm kind of pulling for her if I had to pull for anyone in the women's game.
0: Two last things, Sean. First, what are you most looking forward to beyond Gabby Lopez, which is tremendous? Anyone else that we should have our eye on in the women's competition this week?
1: Yeah, I hate to be a homer.
0: You can be a homer. You can acknowledge your homerism, and then and then you can be as homer as you want. Yeah,
1: I'm not even going to be a homer for the Americans. I'm going to be one for Mel Reed, my queen.
0: You're going to be a homer for your own content is what it sounds like here. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I uh, I am ex- I haven't seen her out there at the course yet, but I've been in contact with her. She is kind of like the, she's kind of the Tommy Fleetwood, so to say of, uh, team great Britain for the women's side. She is so, so hyped. She sat out a major just like Gabby Lopez in order to make sure that she could be an Olympian. Mm -hmm. She's loving life in the village as well. Um, when these people put so much mental energy, physical energy, scheduling energy into being here i want it to pay off for them and so i hope it pays off for mel i don't think she's been playing that good of golf lately so i hopefully she's kind of getting dialed she had a couple weeks back home in england with family before coming out here so she said mentally she's in a great spot so hopefully she plays well
0: rory sabatini had not been playing well coming into this event so there could be some precedent there finally sean what's the best and worst thing that you've eaten since you've gotten there
1: The best thing I've eaten continues to be uh, this meal, this, this, you know, it's going to be kind of basic, but it's basically just Chinese food, rice, uh, dumplings, and uh, shrimp and asparagus. Just kind of, I ordered them all separately and then I just throw them all in the same bowl Mm. and I shake it all up. Um, It's kind of American of me. It's really good. I've had it three times. It's my favorite restaurant here. I'm ordering on Uber Eats every single night because i'm not allowed to go anywhere
0: Mm -hmm. you've been having a lot of alone time
1: the worst thing i've eaten is the peanut cream sandwich it's
0: not Yeah, you really you you you're not a fan of this peanut cream it's not peanut butter you've said
1: so basically it's packaged exactly like uh, an uncrustable right which is one of the best greatest inventions of all time
0: a great snack
1: such a great snack and so it's it it reads it you know it's got the see-through plastic paper uh wrapping paper it's got it says peanut cream on the outside of it it's white bread it's it's literally just an encrustable, except peanut cream is not peanut butter it's literally it has to be just like whipped cream slash milky cream mixed with with peanut butter i'm thinking and the, the sweetness of the cream just doesn't add up with the texture that I and my history with peanut butter, my long history with that with mm. that delicacy. And so when I tried it, I was like, oh, this could be oh god, this is not good. And um it just really throws you off. It's just one of those things where you expected it to be one thing. It it was not the other thing. I'm I'm trying to bring myself up to try the fist fish sausage, but
0: I hope you try the fish sausage.
1: The peanut cream,
0: I honestly, I know you've said it's horrible. The way you describe it, I think it, it it sounds like it could still be good, but maybe that's the whole trick of the whole thing.
1: That's the trick. Um, I keep eating apples in the media center. The apples are really good. And I know this is not the answer you looked for, but every time I go up to the concession at the media center, um, the ladies now say apple to me because I've been eating so many <laughs> apples. They say apple and then they start laughing. And I'm just like, look, the joke is on you guys. These are good apples.
0: Yeah, they're good apples. It's better than setting the fried chicken sandwich record for one week at Augusta <laughs> National. Probably a little healthier for you. That's kind of like yes. in uh, in the office when you know you're you're apple now. That's just who you are. It's like when uh, Andy starts calling Jim Big Tuna because he's he eats <laughs> a tuna sandwich one day at work. Um, all right, well, Sean, you've got a big day of work ahead. You're gonna go talk to some uh, some of the finest female golfers in the entire world. We wish Mm -hmm. you luck. We'll be tracking from here and uh, keep it up.
1: Sounds good. See ya.